Give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen is fresh, optimistic, and purpose-driven talk radio that promotes happiness from the inside out. Each week, Lisa spotlights trendsetters and change agents who offer sound emotional fitness tips for improving mental muscle tone and greater well-being. Guest experts include a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who are devoting their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen, is a widely recognized applied positive psychology coach, author, documentary filmmaker, and lecturer specializing in the fields of sustainable happiness, mindfulness, and positive lifestyle management. Let's get to it. Here's Lisa. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, broadcasting consciously prepared brain food from the beaches of Malibu, California. Each week, we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face. No, no, no. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is most definitely all about the heart. All righty then, let's get to it. David Allen, a leading productivity consultant and creator of Getting Things Done, once wrote, Your ability to generate power is directly proportional to your ability to relax. On today's show, we'll be sharing great tips about conscious productivity, how to work less, improve efficiency, and reimagine entrepreneurship. My first guest is Dr. Brian Robinson. He is the author of Hashtag Chill, Turn Off Your Job and Turn On Your Life. Welcome, Brian. Thanks for joining me on the show. Thank you, Lisa. It's great to be here. Well, it is an absolute pleasure because this topic is a hot topic these days. And I would love for you to share a little bit about your background and your story as a therapist and a professor emeritus at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte. But I'm sure there's a story that goes along with this. Well, actually, there is. The way I got into this whole area was through my own work addiction. And many, many years ago, when I was at the university full time, I was a caffeine drinking, cigarette chain smoking madman. And I worked days, nights, holidays every weekend. And I thought I was really cool because even though my marriage was falling apart, I was getting accolades from the university and all my colleagues because I was publishing and I was doing pretty much everything. It finally threw a lot of, in a lot of different ways. I'll make this fairly brief. I hit a bottom. And um, I realized with the help of a therapist that I was as addicted to work as my father had been addicted to alcohol. I was doing the same thing with my work. I was actually hiding it from my spouse. I was sneaking around working when nobody was looking, which sounds <laughs> sick now that you know, when I talk about it, it just sounds so sick, which it was. But I'm so far away from it now. I can see the water I was swimming in. Now, this book, Hashtag Chill, is a follow-up from another book that I wrote because I wanted to carry the message beyond just workaholism to people. As you said earlier, in general, it affects all of us. It's not just working. And the title, uh, Turn Off Your Job, doesn't just mean the office or your sales job. It's also if you're a mom or if you're a parent or what it could be your hobbies or you could be at home. So regardless of what you're doing, your job in life can consume you and take over. And as you said before, so many of us are burning out and we're not taking time to recharge our batteries and take care of us. I want to say one more thing about that. Hashtag chill is not just about kicking back with a beer and watching the football game or lying by the pool, which is a huge part of it, taking care of ourselves. But it's also about paying attention to how we react to life's curveballs. That's a big chunk of this. And so the readings in the book talk about ways for all of us to look inside and work with our perfectionism, our impatience, our control, 
and those parts of us that often get us into reacting to the barking dog or the neighbor's weed eater or our spouse who yells from another room. So hashtag chill is is a place that we find inside of ourselves that actually widens as we start to practice some of these skills. From what I glean, it's really about putting mindfulness into action. It's not just that meditation that so many of us are fancying these days, but it's really about how do we find or create space within our lives to become more aware of the living that we're doing. Absolutely. It's being in the present moment and being aware of what we're thinking and watching our thoughts and being aware of what we're feeling and watching our feelings. And when we learn to do that, it's kind of like exercising a muscle memory. It becomes more and more automatic. One of of the readings in my book is about being drawn instead of being driven. And many of us today and we're not even aware of it, are driven by external circumstances, like if it rains on our parade or if the boss walks by our desk and doesn't look at us, and we automatically think maybe he or she's upset with us or is not fond of us. We do a lot of mind reading it, but as we learn to become mindful and watch our thoughts, it actually brings that hashtag chill. There's a calm that yeah, we start yeah. to feel inside. You are a leading expert on work addiction. I want to really put a pin on that. And I would love for you to share with our listeners some of the symptoms of work addiction because they look very similar to running efficiently. That's right. They do. Most workaholics are very efficient and very effective. There's different kinds of workaholism, but some of the symptoms are impatience, anger and irritability. If you're a dyed-in-the-wool workaholic like I was, it automatically is going to affect your intimate relationship and your relationship with your children. When I was at the university, I did research. I was the first to ever do the research on how workaholism affects marriage in the same way alcoholism does. And it also gets passed on to children and children of workaholics have some of the same characteristics of children of alcoholics, greater depression, more anxiety, and more of what we call a locus of external locus of control. In other words, they don't have that drawn from inside. They they become people pleasers. But let me, in just a nutshell, the way we know, we're we're not talking about hard work here. It's important that, you know, we have passion and work. So we're talking about when you can't turn it off. So a workaholic is someone on the ski slopes dreaming about being back in the office. A healthy worker or a chill worker is in the office dreaming about being on the ski slopes. (laughs) That says it all. Yes. So it's not just an external activity. It's a mental obsession that's very difficult to let go of. And it sounds like it's also the inability to be where you're at. That's right, because whether you're a workaholic or just someone who's busy and rushing and hurrying, if those of us who are listening right now, if you stop and think about it, your mind is probably in the future worried about, am I going to meet that deadline or will I get all my shopping done? Or it's in the past regretting about something you should have done, and I'll put should in quotation marks, we call that shitty thinking, that you didn't do well or could have done differently. But life is in the present moment. It's right now. And one way to get in touch with that, and folks can do this later, is take five minutes to find that sweet spot. And one way to do it, and it's very simple, is just sit for five minutes or three minutes and just notice every sound you hear. And it could be your gurgling stomach. Right now, I hear the sound of my heat. It could be outside traffic, could be an airplane. And as you just do that, what you realize is you're not worried about the future. You're not thinking about the past. You're right in that moment and you're hearing things you would not have normally heard because you would be either in the past or the present. That's just one example of what the book helps people do, some of the tools that it offers. It sounds like you're helping people get back in sync with the rhythm of life. Well, you know, all all we have to do is turn on the evening news to see how reactive people have become. And that's another reason I wrote this book. And that can be from someone being violent on a subway, which I saw today, or it could just be me being irritable with my spouse. But if we all work on self-regulation and reactivity and start to pay attention to that part of us that wants to lash out or to snap, and if we learn to take better care of ourselves and have self-compassion, 
it's amazing how that it could really change the world, but it can certainly change us and make us have a more quality life and better relationships with the ones we love and the friends we care about. Well, you talk about self-regulation. I think that that's the, the biggest challenge for all of us as human beings is to learn how to regulate our emotions, our consumption on, yeah. on many levels, not just food, but like well, the, the you cons- know, Mother Nature is partly responsible for this. This is in the book, too. Many people don't know this, but every single one of us was hardwired to overestimate threats and mm. underestimate our ability to handle them. So when something from the outside looks small that triggers us, sometimes it's triggering something deeper within us that we're not aware of. And so we overreact. Once we learn to underestimate threats, because most of the the horrible things we see on in the news doesn't happen to most of us. I mean, it's happening with more frequency, but on a daily basis, most of us don't have those those kinds of threats. But the way threats show up to us now, it used to be wild animals attacking us or tribes. But now it's if I don't have enough money to pay the bills or if my job's in jeopardy or if my wife is upset with me or my husband is angry with me or the kids are acting out. Those kinds of threats are what we all deal with today or if some stranger you know, gives us the finger in traffic, which happens, you know, probably has happened to most of us listening right now. But the thing is, is to underestimate our threats and overestimate our ability to handle them. Scientists call that, by the way, the negativity bias. We automatically, you know, that the the pendulum automatically swings to the negative. And part of, uh, and again, this is in the book, is starting to learn to stack our positivity deck. Mm, I like the way that you you phrase that. Stack the positivity deck. We are going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Dr. Brian E. Robinson about his newest book, Hashtag Chill. Turn off your job and turn on your life. I've got so many questions for you, Brian. But before we do those questions, let's jump off for a quick break. To learn more, please visit www.brianrobinsonbooks.com on Twitter at BR Therapist and Facebook Robinson, Brian, E. Here comes the break. We'll be right back. And that is an absolute promise. I want to remind everyone that holiday season is also marriage proposal season. Getting engaged used to be as simple as a question and a ring. But in today's super fast-paced world, getting hitched has become a complete logistical event planning challenge. And that's where Zola steps in by reinventing the wedding planning and registry experience to make the happiest moments in couples' lives even happier. Zola is the wedding company that will do anything for love by combining compassionate customer care with all the modern tools and technology to help modern brides and grooms stay organized and loved ones in the celebratory loop. Zola takes the stress out of wedding planning and puts more fun in the process with free customizable wedding websites, creation of a dream wedding registry, and affordable save the dates and invitations, as well as the easiest planning tools. Everything is conveniently managed online and in one place. Get this, the registry actually lives on the website. Lovebirds can register with the Zola store, which has over 500 brands in it from OXO and Cuisinart to Sonos and Airbnb. My cousin Kira planned her amazing wedding on Zola, keeping her guests automatically informed of the elaborate destination wedding schedule and constant registry updates. I loved being able to click onto the couple's website and shop their entire registry in one convenient place. To start your free wedding website and also get $50 off your registry on Zola, go to Zola.com slash HH. That's Z-O-L-A dot com slash HH. We know that life can be tough and that happiness can and does live alongside adversity. Connect with us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and follow Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen for a daily dose of inspiration. We'll be right back after this quick break. Do you find yourself saying things like, I'll be happy when, or I'll be happy if? Does the finish line for happiness keep moving? Does the bar keep getting higher? What's getting in the way of your happiness right now? Too much going on? Working too much? Not working enough? 
having too many responsibilities, not having enough money, enough time, enough space. The list goes on and on. It becomes difficult to see all that we have if we focus on scarcity. One thing I know for certain, happiness waits for no one. And sometimes we all need support. Are We Happy Yet? is not another self-help book. It's a guidebook for learning how to harvest happiness through self-mastery, which is the key ingredient into building resilience, hardiness, grit, and emotional stability. Are We Happy Yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Each day we get to choose how we are going to show up for life. And at times we need tips for strengthening our well-being. Learn training strategies for greater emotional fitness and improved mental muscle tone at HarvestingHappiness.com. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us now, we're talking about working less and getting more done. The keys to conscious productivity with my guest, Dr. Brian Robinson. Brian, I would love for you to read a passage from your book, Hashtag Chill. Okay, well, since it's the holidays, I'm going to read one out of December. It's uh, celebrate the real holidays. The term wedded to work was coined for a good reason, and it knows no gender boundaries. Many of us put more time and energy into work than into family relationships, socializing, hobbies, or leisure and recreational activities. Holidays are just another day to get work done from dawn to dusk. While others celebrate Hanukkah, Christmas, or Kwanzaa, chances are you forget, ignore, or minimize holidays. Such events can cause endless hours of work. Holidays and family celebrations are the glue that creates family cohesion. When you don't uphold the rituals over time, family relationships tend to unravel. It's important to remind yourself to come up for air during the holidays. Perhaps even learn how to be merry instead of a calamity Jane, worry wart, control freak, or a sad sack. You have a choice to participate in the festivities and religious aspects of your holidays by enjoying the music, cooking special foods, or having get-togethers without getting caught up in the holidays, H-O-L-I-D-A-Z-E. You don't have to overdo it or let the materialism and commercialization overwhelm you. You can decide how you want to celebrate and what true meaning and enjoyment you get from this time of year. Mm, lovely. Many of us in this new professional environment are working from home. I know you work from home. I work from home half the week. And let's talk about setting boundaries, because I think that's part of this chill process as well. Absolutely. We have to set boundaries for ourselves and with the people we live with. The kind of boundaries that I set for myself are because I am at home. I could go throw some laundry in. I could go return phone calls. I could uh, go feed my dogs. There's so many distractions. So we have to be very conscious of keeping the focus and making sure that when we're, I have an office, and I, if you have an office at home, to pretend that that's uh, 10 miles away. And so when you finish working, you don't keep going back into your office at 11 o'clock at night to, to get caught up on something. Because after a while, it bleeds into your life if you don't have solid boundaries around your workspace. The second part of that is having boundaries with people. And writers will often say, that people, friends will pop in sometimes and they don't really think you're working. They think you're home. So you, you're not working. So we have to somehow let people know before the fact that this is my work. This is what I get paid for. This is what many people do in an office, in an office building. One of the things I've uh, had to do is because I do have three beautiful golden doodles that I love. Occasionally when bears come, I live in the mountains and when bears come, they go crazy. So we've had to work out a system. So when the bears come, I have someone here who takes care of it. So I don't get interrupted and my spouse can't yell downstairs. It's dinner time or <laughs> we have an agreement. We don't yell from room to room. And that when I'm working, it's just like, I'm in my office with a patient and you don't just come barging in. So sometimes I suggest people hang a little sign on the door that says, you know, in session or something that just signals to loved ones not to interrupt you. But once you get those boundaries set for yourself and for people that you live with and your friends, it's going to make it a lot easier and your reactivity is going to be less and you'll be able to have more chill time. 
I find that working from home has been a very good thing in terms of connection and building or strengthening my relationships with my loved ones, with my kids, uh-huh. with, my, with my partner. And I have some of the same challenges that you just spoke of, you know, someone yelling upstairs, it's time for dinner. So one of the things that we do in our house, even though we're in the same space, is we text. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, so it's quiet. Yeah. Because they don't know. They don't know if I'm recording or talking with the client. Yeah, that's a good example of how you can use modern technology to work for us. And instead of, you know, a lot of people have complaints about how modern technology has actually uh, reduced the amount of face to face interaction. But that there there are a lot of positives that uh, and that's a good example of one of them. Yes, that's a good one. But, you know, going into the bathroom at 10 o'clock at night to return emails and texts, not so much. Right. No, you're right. That's we it's incumbent on each of us to set those boundaries and not let the technology and the electronic devices become a leash around our neck, pulling us around. And that's that's, again, the difference between being drawn and and being driven. Uh, We're driven when we allow the workplace or the technology or deadlines to take charge of us. I always say, Ask not how life is treating you. Ask how you are treating life, because life is not personal. It's going to throw us curveballs. That's the nature of of Mother Nature. But we have to be very conscious and mindful of how are we going to deal with it. And most things are not that threatening, like we said before. And so once we start paying attention to that, and, and being aware of watching our thoughts and feelings on the inside, we learn to regulate them, and it gives us more chill time. I love what you just said, and I want to repeat that. Life is not personal. We no. all, we think so, it is. <laughs> yes, we do. In the heat of the moment, it feels personal. And we rant and rave about things that are often small. But as we start to pay attention and to be more mindful, we can, and without self-judgment, with curiosity, and I want to underline that word and put it in bold, curiosity instead of self-judgment, curiosity instead of judgment of others is a whole, it changes your life. Being curious, if I snap at someone in the office, which I don't do, and I don't think I've ever done that, but let's say I snap at a colleague and then walk into my office and say, boy, I was a real jerk for doing that. It just makes me feel worse. It it adds insult to injury. But if I say, wait a minute, why in the world did I do that? I like her. She's my friend. She's my colleague. It helps me get to self-understanding. Curiosity, whenever someone steps in front of us in line and they don't even mean to, it can help us calm down and help us chill. You know, there's a part of us that resides in almost every other person on the planet or a part of every other person on the planet resides in us. Mm -hmm. When somebody accidentally steps in line or when the neighbor's dog is barking or when the baby's crying or, you know, whatever it is. When we can be a little more gentle with them, it helps us calm down. At the same time, when we're more gentle with ourselves and more self-compassionate, we automatically realize that we're, we tend to be that way with other people. So it's an inside job. Everything starts from inside out, not outside in. Amen. I agree with you. And I love this aspect of becoming real curious, you know, and, and I have experimented with that myself when people mm. cut me off in traffic and I, I sort of uh, adapted the mindset of, well, maybe they needed to be there faster than I did. Yeah. Or maybe they didn't even realize they did it. And how many times have I done that? And I yes. unwittingly, you know, it's about giving ourselves a break and giving other people a break. One of the, the things in my book that I talk about is, and I know this, some people are going to think that this is really ideal and it's very counterintuitive. And I can't say I'm there, but loving the barking dog, loving the person who unwittingly steps in front of us in line or loving the the commuter who's in a hurry and and needs to get in front of us instead of uh, uh, harboring resentment or anger. Again, that compassion for people, there's almost always a good reason why people do what they do. And most people, not all people, but most people at the heart are really good people. And But that overestimation of the threat causes us to lose that understanding. So the hashtag chill is about, it's a place that we can get on the inside where we start to understand that, that we can be self-compassionate and we can be compassionate about other people. Everybody's carrying something that they're struggling with on the inside. When we know that, it's easier to be compassionate, but we have to know that it's just true even if we can't see it, and that helps. 
the word merciful comes to mind mm. as you speak. Mm. That word has uh, probably fallen out of fashion, <laughs> you know, but yeah. I imagine if we all make a commitment to be more merciful in our days, especially with ourselves. Absolutely. We get to hashtag chill. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, it does start with ourselves. And many people, and I hear this all the time with my clients, they, they want to do for others. They want to help others. And, of course, we all want to do that. But they overlook their own internal self. And the key to that is everything goes in from inside out. So when you respect yourself and you love yourself and you listen to how you talk to yourself, sometimes unmercifully, and as you become more merciful in how you treat yourself, it will automatically spill over to people around you. That's the key. And that's really the theme throughout the book. Well, our emotions are contagious, right? They certainly are. If I react, someone's going to react to me. But I don't have to, if I'm learning to hashtag chill, I don't have to be negative just because someone else is being a sourpuss. I can stay positive. Again, that's the key. Staying in self is what we call it. Staying in hashtag chill. Yeah. And and, in being grounded. And the the process, what you offer in the book, hashtag chill, is to allow people to come back home to themselves. Really. That's what I see. That's right. Regardless of what's happening around us, yes. regardless of what curveball life throws, we can still stay grounded, stay on the launch pad. And it's an f- incredible feeling when we can do that. It's like making a touchdown or hitting a home run. I have one last question, and then we've run out of time, unfortunately, but maybe you'll come back and hang out some more. Um, love- yeah. Loneliness is an epidemic today, particularly in the Western world, because we are so driven. Life is moving faster than we can keep up with it. Many of us, as we mentioned before, are working from home. How do we deal with loneliness today? Well, we could speak for an hour on this, right? I know you know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can be lonely in a crowd. It's not just being with people. It's having a deep connection with yourself. It's learning that you don't have to be led around by the nose by your job, by your electronic devices, by someone else's negativity, by someone getting pissed off at you. You don't have to be pissed off back. And as you start to watch on the inside your feelings and your reactions and start to take charge of them, then you feel a connection with yourself that you don't feel lonely. Like when I'm alone, and I haven't always been this way. I mean, when I was using my work as a drug, I was lonely. I was using it to self-medicate. But I don't have that feeling anymore. I'm rarely lonely because I have a deep connection with myself. I enjoy my own company. I'm watching these parts of me that want to be angry or that want to be sad or want to worry. And I, I talk to them on the inside. That's really the key is having a deep connection with self. And that takes care of the loneliness. Uh, That's my experience as well. I spend a lot of time alone working, writing, doing this show, and I don't feel lonely. But I do find that I have to motivate myself sometimes to go out of the house, you know, for a social thing. Yeah. Yeah. And not for activities, but just like, That's where the balance comes in, isn't it? Yeah. You know what? Here's the other thing. If I were feeling lonely or sad, what I do, and and again, it's I imagine there's this little nine-year-old boy inside me, and we call it self-soothing, and I put my arms around him, and I say to him, I'm here now. Now, what that means is when he was little and he grew up in an alcoholic home, and I know many people listening know exactly what I'm talking about, Mm -hmm. maybe not alcoholic. But all of us have had trials and tribulations. And when when he was little, I was not there. And so when I say that, it's an automatic calming, a chill. It's an automatic connection that keeps me feeling fulfilled. I haven't arrived anywhere. I don't make it sound like I've I've evolved to the point because I'm a human being like everybody else. But when I do get sad or if I do get reactive, that's one of the things that helps me stay connected and avoid loneliness. Yeah, the self-soothing, which is, I think, such a, a lovely point to wrap with, is that when we are able to really take care of that that little boy or that little girl that still resides in each one of us, no matter how old we become, yeah, that helps us chill. That we can exactly, we exactly. Can, take care of that little one that needs to be protected and yeah. t- told everything is okay, you right. know. And even yeah. if it's not okay, it will be okay. Just That's right. Take a moment, take a breath. All is calm. 
if that part's worried, if that little kid is worried, we can talk them off the ledge. And yes. Because we're adults and we're resourceful and we're smart and we, we understand how the world works. They don't. That part of us that's afraid and scared and lonely doesn't know how to do that. Dr. Brian E. Robinson, I also want to send our listeners over to your popular blog on psychology today called The Right Mindset. You've been interviewed by Forbes, The New York Times, and The Wall Street Journal, and countless other magazines. The book we've been talking about today is Hashtag Chill, Turn Off Your Job and Turn On Your Life. To learn more, please visit www.brianrobinsonbooks.com, on Twitter at BR Therapist, and on Facebook, that page is Robinson Brian E. Brian, thank you so much. And Brian is B-R-Y-A-N, by the way. Yes, yes, yes. I always remind people. And this has been great. I've loved it. I'd love to come back sometime. Thank you for having me. We'll take that break. We'll be right back. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Unwrap your present by signing up for Happiness Headlines, our monthly e-zine at HarvestingHappiness.com. Stay tuned for more after the break. One thing I know for certain, happiness waits for no one, and sometimes we all need support. We all have the freedom to be happy or the liberty to be miserable each day, regardless of external circumstance. Sure, things will inevitably happen in our lives that are out of our control. There is only ever one thing that is totally within our control, ourselves. When we have command of ourselves, we are better prepared to handle life and bounce back more quickly when challenges arise. Whether you see the glass as half empty or half full, the glass has the capacity to hold more. You have the capacity to be happier. The tool to harvesting your happiness is within your grasp. Are we happy yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Each day we get to choose how we are going to show up for life, and at times we need tips for strengthening our well-being. Learn training strategies for greater emotional fitness and improved mental muscle tone at HarvestingHappiness.com. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us now, we're talking about what it means to work less, get more done, and have conscious productivity. My guest today is Natalie Sisson. Natalie Sisson is a New Zealand entrepreneur and adventurer currently living on her dream lifestyle property in her home country, and the rest of the time out of her suitcase traveling the world while running her business and going on adventures. She's a best-selling author, the suitcase entrepreneur, and a sought-after speaker, having spoken at TEDx, Royal Tunbridge, Pro Blogger, FinCon, Social Media Marketing World, Socialite, and more, as well as the Huffington Post naming her one of the 50 must-follow women entrepreneurs in 2017. And she's back in the house with me, and we're catching up today. Hi, Natalie. Thanks for joining us again. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. I love speaking with you because I love sharing with people your story in that you got and are getting to live your dream. Talk a little bit about the story and being from New Zealand, leaving the country, going abroad, and the life that ensued. Yeah, it's been one heck of a journey, I guess. I left New Zealand in 2004 after, you know, living here for most of my life and traveling up until that point. But I fully left at that point and just decided to travel the world, head to England, get some great jobs there, some great experience, and then leave all of that behind to go to Canada and start my own business. So in that time of being away, I've definitely transformed my life and have now been in business for a decade. And that business started from a blog, uh, which was actually originally for women entrepreneurs and then morphed into the suitcase entrepreneur, showing people how to create freedom in business and adventure in life. And that's what the books come from, my programs, my retreats, my workshops. And it's been one heck of a journey, just traveling the world, running my business from a laptop and a smartphone and a Wi-Fi connection, meeting thousands of entrepreneurs in my community who I like to call freedomists around the world. And then I think you know a little bit about that. When we last spoke, my dad had actually got sick and ended up passing away. And it really highlighted to me when I came home to be with him, just how important that freedom to be able to live life on your own terms is, because in that very moment, I wanted to drop everything to be with him. And because I had a very flexible business, I could do that. And I could come over here and uh, spend time with my family and and not work and be fully, I guess, okay with that because I had great systems set up, great sales funnels and an awesome business and community that 
really kind of got it and understood. And I changed all that recently when I came back to actually live in New Zealand. I felt it was finally time. I traveled to 70 countries. I was actually, frankly, getting a little tired of just living out of a suitcase after six and a half years and ended up setting up this beautiful property with my new romantic partner. So we're now being together for two years (laughs) and got two and a half acres. We've got chickens. We've got vegetable garden. We've got amazing garden. We've got two gorgeous white German shepherds and it couldn't be more far removed from the life that I was living. But it's still all about freedom on your own terms right? So I'm happy to discuss that. But I just think it's such a, it's been such a fascinating 180 degree life shift. And it's really taught me the importance of your own definition of freedom. And this is really important because I think there are many of us out there that are at jobs that we might not like, or we do, we do just fine at the job, but we think, well, what if I could travel and make money and really live life on my own terms. But it, it requires uh, a knowledge how to do it, which you are going to provide us and be a little bit of risk. hundred <laughs> percent. And also a lot of desire, I think, you know, it's not for everybody. I've said that often when I was a full digital nomad, kind of always being subject to change in your environment and your setup, never always knowing where you're going to be staying next or where you're going to be having to make new friends all the time. It's not for everybody, but it's certainly an incredible tool for growth because it it teaches you to think on your feet, to be open-minded, to embrace change, and to really sort of take opportunities as they come to you. And when you talk about the work, being the suitcase entrepreneur and setting up funnels that you had in place, like when you went home to take care of your dad or be present with your dad, what does that mean? What does that mean to set up funnels? Yeah, so sales funnels are really what I like to think about as your customer journey. So from the minute somebody comes into contact with you, your business website and what you offer, it's a sales funnel takes them on a journey through that uh, based on where they're at right now. And it, it can be often something that is free on your homepage that is a gift, a training, a video, an ebook and audio that really is some of your best work and it highlights what you're going to be able to do for them or your service or product is. Then from there, they'll go through a series of email autoresponders that you typically set up through something like ConvertKit or Infusionsoft. And that takes them on another journey where you put offers in front of them, depending on where they're at and how they're engaging with you. And a really great sales funnel will allow you to basically attract from the traffic that you're sending to your website or your Facebook page or your main platform they'll allow you to convert those wonderful people into customers that will hopefully stay with you throughout the course of your journey. And as you develop more products and services, they'll be the first to engage and to buy them. And a really well-designed sales funnel should do that automatically and kind of without your effort once you've set it up because you know your customer so well and what they're going through in their journey, you can put the right offers in front of them that totally are going to transform their lives or help them at that point. So That's essentially a a nutshell of what a sales funnel is. And I think the funnel bit is that you start with this big overarching flood of people coming in, hopefully. And then as they go through your funnel, it squeezes right down to the people who are most committed and who are most likely to buy. So you're kind of actually wanting to push people through and out of your funnel if they're not right for you and if they're not the right fit for what your business offers. So when we talk about the funnel and monetizing oneself, many of our listeners have built brands or maybe they're uh, solopreneurs, and they're trying to figure out how to make money on their message. And I don't think that it's very easy. You may think it's easy because you're the expert at it, but I think that it really takes a lot of work to do this. Yeah, it really does. And I think it's the biggest, I guess, tip that I can give to people listening is to really understand your why, why you're doing the work that you do. And secondly, the who, who are you serving? Because everything should come from a deep understanding and knowing and desire to help the very people that you're trying to serve. And from that, so much becomes a lot clearer as to what products and services you can offer and how you can approach them and also what you stand for and what types of content you're going to put out, the types of revenue streams that you're going to create for your business that really align with your why and your mission. Talk a little bit about the different kinds of business streams. You know, you you mentioned courses, workshops. Elaborate upon that. Yeah, at one point in my business a couple of years ago, I had about nine revenue streams. So some of those were ebook sales, online courses, as you mentioned. I had physical workshops that I would put on around the world. I run retreats twice a year in beautiful places like Bali and Portugal. I also had my book. And off the back of that, I had a course 
that related to the book. I had podcast sponsorships and I also had affiliate revenue streams where I promote tools and software that I love and use and that I couldn't run my business without. So I also had group coaching on top of that. And I think the thing for me is that it's a great to have a mix of active and what I call residual. I don't like the word passive residual revenue streams so that some of them you're actually quite active in. you're standing behind those and others will actually just happen with the result of a great sales funnel and the systems and team that you've set up. And I think it's really good and healthy to have a mix of revenue streams because I know a lot of solo entrepreneurs or freelancers who, if they got sick, their business wouldn't actually continue without them because it's so reliant on them being the provider of the service or product. And so I think it's really healthy and important to have multiple revenue streams that can serve you depending on where you're at and what you're doing. I completely agree with that. After the recession that hit the United States 2008, 2009, I vowed that I would build a business that was based on multiple revenue streams. And it's taken, you know, quite a bit of time to have it be completely, it completely sustainable. <laughs> but, you know, I'm in it now and I'm, and I'm continually striving to grow and make it hardier and, and bigger. But I want to know your productivity tips. What routines have you set forth that you can share with us that work? Yeah, absolutely. This is probably one of my favorite topics because in order to do what you're doing and what I'm doing, you do actually have to be really productive um, and you also have to be very disciplined. And there's this irony that the more freedom you want, the more disciplined you have to be because discipline is the thing that gives you freedom. And by that, I mean setting boundaries around your clients, around your working hours. I also mean setting up systems, using tools efficiently, and just managing and knowing your time and where it's best spent. So a couple of my favorite productivity tips are that I use a tool called Toggle. You might have heard of it, T-O-G-G-L. It's a free time tracking tool. And I toggle every single moment of my mainly working day, but sometimes even my time off, my workouts, my dinners, etc., just to get a really clear understanding of where my time is going. And over the space of, you know, I've used this for years, but over the space of the first few weeks of using the tool, I was astounded at how long, for example, I was actually spending on answering emails or how long a piece of content was actually taking me to create or how long setting up a new software program was actually taking. And it suddenly highlighted to me where I needed more help so that I could actually outsource or hire new team members. It also highlighted where I was being ineffective with my time, where I shouldn't probably even be doing those tasks and who could I delegate it to or how could I streamline the whole process. And one of the biggest reasons that I think a lot of people waste their time or constantly feel overwhelmed or in this mode of chaos is they simply don't know where their time is going. So a little bit of diligence and and for a week tracking what you're working on at what times and how long it really takes you to do those things is so enlightening to be able to go, oh, okay, I realize I'm really good at this. And this is where I feel in flow. I have lots of energy and I'm really good at it. And this tends to take me hours because I don't actually like it. And it, it brings me down and it's not my best work and it's not my zone of genius. And then you're able to align better what energy you put into what task and which ones, as I said, you can delegate over time and also set up better systems so that you're not having to do a lot of these repetitive tasks. And that's when you get in that beautiful state of flow. Oh, that sounds delicious. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, <laughs> we're going to continue the conversation. Natalie Sisson and me, we're talking about her new book, The Freedom Plan, Redesign Your Business to Work Less, Earn More and Be Free. To learn more about Natalie's work, please visit nataliesisson.com on Twitter at Natalie Sisson. Facebook, Natalie Sisson, and on Instagram, guess what? Natalie Sisson. Here comes the break. We'll be right back. And that is a promise. Who says money can't buy happiness? Check out Lisa's new book, Are We Happy Yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life and other fun, fashionable, and inspiring items at shophappyatharvestinghappiness.com. We'll be right back after this quick break. Do you find yourself saying things like, I'll be happy when, or I'll be happy if. Does the finish line for happiness keep moving? Does the bar keep getting higher? What's getting in the way of your happiness right now? Too much going on? Working too much? Not working enough? Having too many responsibilities? Not having enough money, enough time, enough space? The list goes on and on. It becomes difficult to see all that we have if we focus on scarcity. One thing I know for certain, happiness waits for no one, and sometimes we all need support. Are We Happy Yet? is not another self-help book. 
It's a guidebook for learning how to harvest happiness through self-mastery, which is the key ingredient into building resilience, hardiness, grit, and emotional stability. Are we happy yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, IndieBound, and HarvestingHappiness.com. Each day we get to choose how we are going to show up for life. And at times we need tips for strengthening our well-being. Learn training strategies for greater emotional fitness and improved mental muscle tone at HarvestingHappiness.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we're focusing on how to work less, improve efficiency, and reimagine entrepreneurship. My guest today is Natalie Sisson. Natalie, before the break, you were giving us a little glimpse into some of your favorite tools for productivity, and you mentioned outsourcing. And I think this is underestimated, the value of outsourcing support. Talk a little bit about the upside of having others help. It's so undervalued, isn't it? And I think the reason for that, there are three reasons that hold people back from outsourcing. They, one, don't think that they can afford to hire people to work with them. They, two, don't think they have the time to be able to train those people up. And three, which is an interesting one, and I get it, is that they're often worried about the security. Like, what if this person comes on board and they steal all my stuff or they take all my great work or something happens and it goes wrong and they cause more harm than good. And those are all valid concerns, but most of them are completely just, you can ignore them because starting out, it's so easy these days to hire people within your budget within half an hour. And I know that sounds crazy to people, but when I was <laughs> about 2012, I was taking off on a big cycle ride down Africa and I had two weeks before I left and I was going to be offline for two months. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think it's time to finally hire a virtual assistant, which I think is a great place to start. Somebody who can be your assistant, take over a lot of your admin. And I found somebody on a great site called upwork.com, one of the largest freelancing sites out there. There's many others, but I think that one's the most credible for me. It's been around for years and there's like a million plus freelancers, all super talented, tons of different schools and skills. And you can hire videographers and audios and writers and designers and WordPress experts and sales consultants and you name it, you can find somebody on there. And I started and I had a budget of $10 an hour to hire a virtual assistant. And I found Margaret, who was based in India at the time, and I've since got a virtual team from around the world. And I think she was $8 an hour at the time. And I just couldn't believe that I could hire somebody for that who <laughs> took over a lot of my pain and stress. And I also said, look, I can only probably pay you 10 hours a week. And the amount of work that she was able to do in 10 hours a week was incredible. And then I remember stepping back one day going, huh, I went on this bike ride for two months nothing fell over. My business kept running. I kept making money. Margaret handled everything that I handed over to her and the rest was just fine that it stayed where it was. And I was like, I'm paying $80 a week for this massive relief. And at the time, I think my coaching fee was around $150 an hour. And I put it in perspective and I was like, I just, I can get so much more done and serve so many more people by hiring smart, talented people at a very affordable rate that is way less than my what I guess I'd call hourly rate. And it just put it into perspective for me. So whenever people say to me, I can't afford it, I always push back at them and say, yes, you can. Because if you think about the work you could be doing and how much revenue that could bring in or how much joy and happiness versus what you're spending to have somebody take over the stuff you don't like doing, it's absolute no brainer. I want to concur with you wholeheartedly, 500%, <laughs> because we are a virtual team. We've been working together for many years. Some of our team members come from Upwork, and I don't get a dime for endorsing Upwork. <laughs> I just think it's a great platform. So yeah. I have had the same experience, and it has been very, very liberating. It's amazing, isn't it? And I, again, if you look at your, say, you time track and you use Toggle or another tool, you simply just write down where you're spending your time and then you pick your biggest pain points, the stuff you don't like doing, the stuff you shouldn't be doing and the stuff you can't do. Like I know a lot of people who play around with their websites and they really shouldn't be. And then you have a fourth column, which is the stuff you love to do. Pretty quickly, if you just write down as many things that come into your mind as possible in those four columns, what you'll be able to do is look at the first three and go, great, that's what I'm going to outsource first. So a lot of people are also confused about what to outsource, but typically it's all the stuff you dislike, aren't good at, and shouldn't be doing. Yeah. God bless Upwork. Let's talk about, <laughs> about reframing our mindset to get past limiting beliefs, because many people listening may say, all right, well, yeah, I really want to do that. I really want to have my own business. I really want to 
realize that dream of being able to work out of a suitcase or take a year off from my traditional work and go travel the world and make money while I'm doing it. But it, it takes changing one's own set of beliefs in order to start. Absolutely. And you know what? I was recently at a Tony Robbins event, Unleash the Power Within. I haven't been to any kind of event like that before. And I'd always wanted to see him in action because Tony, in my mind, is the master of mastering your mindset. And it really highlighted to me, I think, you know, I do a pretty good job of always working on my focus, what's important to me, and really taming the negative Nancy or those doubts and fears that we all have, right? But I think when I went to that event, it just took it to the next level in terms of really appreciating how the story stories that we tell ourselves limit us so much if we continue to give them power and how important it is to replace them with a new empowering belief that really serves you. And this does come with time. It also comes with experience and confidence, but it also comes with really getting great training, hiring a great coach, having fantastic mentors and advisors around you, having a really supportive peer network and a great group of friends that support you. Because it's so easy to get stuck in your own head and really play down your brilliance. Yeah. And we do not want to play down the brilliance, everyone. Mm -mm. Mm -mm -mm. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not how it happens. Talk a little bit about life planning strategies, because we're talking about coaching skills or tools for building one's business. But this also comes into play with the architecture of our lives. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? So I love this topic as well, because my partner and I have been for the last almost two years doing this thing called Life Pilot. And we started it as literally a life planning process. And it was a simple spreadsheet with this three by three approach, which was really around you should have no more than three goals or intentions per year, per quarter, per month, per week and per day. And it sounds so simple, but man, it's hard to do because so many people that I know have like, you know, 30 things on their to-do list and not all of those are urgent or actually important, but they can't often see what is and what isn't. And using this life pilot spreadsheet and process that we developed, it just really got us to focus in on what is the top three things that I could do today? Not just business wise, not just career wise, but relationships, health, personal growth, wealth, lifestyle and relationships. And it really started to highlight to us how imbalanced, I guess, our lives were at the point that we started because everything was about business, business, business. We're both entrepreneurs. And then I was like, wait a minute, if we paid a bit more attention to our relationship, I wonder if that would shift our focus this week or today to nurture each other, to be kind. Wait a minute, if we put in that we want to do workouts or focus on having a week of around our health, how much would that shift our focus and our mindset towards making that a priority? And it was incredible. And it's been transformative. And we now teach it to lots of other people. And it's that power of three and the rhythm of actually checking back daily, weekly, monthly, and going over your goals and intentions. That's so important. And I can't believe how many people really let life happen to them. We've all done it, but like really just kind of like let life happen to them rather than taking charge of it and grabbing it by the reins and going, oh, this is where I want to go. This is what I want to do. I, I'm going, yes, yes, yes. And the, the funny thing is that that three, the sets of three is quite natural. I mean, it is something that I follow quite intuitively that if I accomplish three of the things that I have on the master to-do list every day, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And you should. I think there's too much of a focus in this society on achieving like ridiculous amounts of things all the time, as opposed to the three biggest priorities. Yeah. Well, so I guess, you know, before we head out to the break, I'd love to ask you, pick your brain for more of your top tools that you would suggest to people. Perhaps they're little known or perhaps they're very well known, but that would help us with productivity, with helping us really support some of the strategy and planning and systems that we need to have in place. Yeah, I'd love to. I think there's a theme of threes coming through because I always can talk to my top three tools. And these are ones that I literally use on my laptop every single day or my smartphone. They help me organize my life. They help me organize my team's tasks and they really just help me in my personal and business life. And these are Slack, which I'm sure you know for communications, Asana for project management and task management. And I'm a huge fan of Google Drive and just Google Suite in general, but Google Drive. And if I had to run my business from three tools, those would be them because Slack is all just about instant messaging and communication 
specifically with your team members around the right topics. You can message um, several team members at once, especially when you're working on something like a launch which I do a lot in my business. And then Asana is really where everything gets captured, every single process, every single task, every single thing that's important to each project that you have going on. It's a brilliant place for being able to share and feedback and put in attachments and really have templates that include each person who needs to take each step of the task to make it happen, which usually are those people that you've hired on Upwork. Mm, yep. <laughs> and then Google Drive is just a place where I store all my photos, all my videos, all my documents, all my blog posts, all my content. It's where I have my living, working, breathing business processes and operations and SOPs, your standard operating procedures, and everything's in beautiful folders and really well organized. Just I've just built it like that over time because it's just so much easier to find things. And it also then makes sense to your team or to people that you know you want to share your folders with or documents. And all of it's in the cloud. So if I lost my laptop, if I'm in a different country, if I need to access something, all of these things I can log into from anybody's computer and just be up and running within a matter of minutes, which blows my mind. It is quite incredible. Let's talk a little bit about the cost because we're really talking about such a minimal amount of investment for such a huge return. Yeah. Well, the cost is free, free and free. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, you can have paid versions of all of them, but everything that I need to do on Slack and Asana for me right now is free. And I've been paying for Google's suite for several years because it's so small and it allows me maximum storage in the cloud. I think I have a terabyte of storage and I have my own emails and email domain. So that is amazing, but you don't necessarily need to pay for that either, which is, as you've just highlighted, Unbelievable, because these tools back in the day would have just cost a fortune for the capability and the functionality that they all have. Yeah. It's amazing. So what it, it reduces down to me is a no excuses thing, right? It becomes the inside job. Yes. Do you have the motivation? Do you have the drive? Do you have the, the discipline, which you started out talking about the requirement of the rigor to stay steadfast? Absolutely. It does all come down to that. And what I find is every single morning, I have a pretty damn good routine that sets me up for greatness. And there are several mornings when I don't hit that. But the point is, more often than not, I'm consistent about it. And so if it's that 80-20 rule of 20% of the work you do gives you 80% of the results, if you can be consistent 80% of the time, it's going to be amazing. And what I find is we all go through these sort of rhythms where we're going really well, and then we drop off. And that's when you need the support of your peers or a great training or a fantastic course or a mentor or a coach because we can't always be uh, expected, I guess, to motivate ourselves. But it's really important that we keep on planning out how we want life to happen and then taking action on it. It's the best possible way to live an amazing life. Agree. The book we're talking about today is The Freedom Plan, Redesign Your Business to Work Less, Earn More and Be Free. My guest today has been Natalie Sisson. And to learn more about her work, please visit NatalieSisson.com on Twitter at Natalie Sisson. Facebook, guess what? Natalie Sisson and Instagram as well. Thank you, Natalie. Come back and hang out anytime because you're doing amazing work and I love learning from you. I would absolutely love to. And it's been such a pleasure today. I hope people got a lot out of this and I'm always learning from people like you as well. So thank you for all the work you do. Uh, it's a pleasure. It's what I get to do. <laughs> exactly. We have flown through another hour of purpose-driven media designed to inspire and delight you, our listeners, to create more joy in your lives and within your communities. Here are a few thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. It simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and my guest today, Dr. Brian Robinson and Natalie Sisson, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Go out and rock your day. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Join us each and every Wednesday for a brand new episode of consciously curated talk radio from the heart. Keep harvesting your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with hundreds of free downloadable podcasts from our libraries on TokiNet, 
iTunes, and SoundCloud. In a complicated world seemingly driven by nonstop negative news, Lisa's mission is to celebrate the upside of life and seek the silver lining of our challenges by transforming them into uplifting growth opportunities for all. To learn more about Lisa's global consulting services, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen. Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio is produced in collaboration with Toginet Radio, KBUU, RadioMalibu.net, and is available on PRX, the public radio exchange.